0: Welcome back to another episode of Toys on Tap. This week we are blessed to have the second part of Last Bastion Studios on Wes. We get to hear all about Luchador figure, the comic ragnar the duo last bash and everything if you want more out of toys on tap you can follow on all socials at toys on tap we would love to have you you can like and subscribe rate and review it means nothing for you and everything for us and if you want a little bit more you can jump on that patreon give the show your support we absolutely love everyone that listens thank you so much have fun listening to this episode of toys on tap Alright. How you doing, man? So good. It's so good to see you're my first
1: recording of 2023. Well, thank you. I'm definitely honored about that. And uh and um I just want to show you real quick just because I, I I literally just got them in hand, but I had a couple of loot stores
0: cut them Shut in. the fuck up. Those are so cool. So we got uh-huh. this bad boy. Nacho Libre style. Oh, the nacho one is so good.
1: And check this one out. So same guy. Yeah. He did a clear. And oh my
0: god! A... Who painted him?
1: Uh, Serp ninety three, one of our good buddies. He's done a bunch of Ragnar for us, and he's definitely done a. He does a lot of custom toy paint work, and he's really well known for it. Um, he's actually based in Mexico, and I'm
0: currently in Mexico City right now. Holy hell! It's like the shine on it as well; like mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. Yeah, he's a fantastic
1: painter. Like I said, he did some Ragnar's and stuff for us. He's the guy who did like the black Choice Ragnar. He did um like these weird sort of like cascading colors and stuff like that, but. All the stuff he paints is yeah. really, really, really amazing, and he agreed to do one of the customs when we launched the crowdfunding campaign for the Luchador figure, and I, I couldn't be happier with how those things came out.
0: <laughs> Holy hell! The it was like, and it's so clean. So I, I haven't held the um the wrestler. Do mm-hmm. like what points of articulation? So it's his arm, his head, and his waist.
1: And the main reason why I went with those points of articulation is because I was trying to do more. Like I wanted that feeling of the old school WWF Hasbro figures. Yep. Because those those were huge for yep. me as a kid, you know. And they had literally a locked-in waist, like a locked-in waist pose, but the arms would move and the head would move usually the arm had some sort of action in it. And I wasn't trying to put an action in this, but I still wanted that
0: feeling. Yeah. You know, doing and, that. Oh my gosh. So that means he's like popping it all apart, painting it slowly. Mm-hmm. God dang it. Mm-hmm. Before we dive more, please introduce yourself. The first episode recorded this year.
1: Well, I've got to say it's quite an honor for me to be on here. My name is Wesley Allard. I'm one of the co-founders of Last Fashion Studios. Uh, we are responsible for Luchador, Ragnar, and we make a lot of custom toys, do 3D printing and other stuff. So yeah, I also write comics and make comics and produce comics as well. So.
0: God, I gotta say, so when I first came into the toy community, um, I thought, uh, like out of pure ignorance, right? I thought Ragnar was its own I mm-hmm. thought last Bastion was its own, mm-hmm. and then I saw the wrestling and was like, man, all three of these look the same style, but they're all different, like <laughs> and so, um, when I first I don't know who runs, is it both of you that run the last bastion instagram i'm the I'm
1: the one who's behind the last bastion instagram ninety nine percent of the time. I'm also behind the luchador Instagram and Chris. You know, he mostly handles Ragnar and the uh, and his own, you know, personal stuff as well. But a lot of that goes into the foundations and origins of Last Bastion Studios and everything else.
0: Yeah. So I had sent, I can't remember if I sent Ragnar or Last Bastion a message and Chris was like, let's do this. He jumped on and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, sick, whole company right here. And then at some point he had made a comment that was like, yeah, we'll have to get the other half on. And then I was like, uh, that's awesome. Like I didn't know there was another, and then I met you finally. I was like, yeah, we got to get you on immediately.
1: Well, I'm, I'm definitely happy to be here. I'm not going to lie. I've kind of been the guy in the shadows for a lot of it. Um, you know, Chris, Chris is a beautiful face, so let him be the be the face, you know. And I, I'll be honest; he's he's definitely more social media savvy than I am. I'm like I I do social media mostly because I feel like I have to, you know. Um, otherwise, to be honest, up until we started uh, doing Last Fashion Studios, I had almost zero social media presence in any way, shape, or form. So um, you know, I, I try to I try to keep the Last Fashion Studios profile kind of balanced between stuff we're doing with Ragnar and stuff we're doing with Luchador and and um, and sometimes literally just copying his post over or yeah. copying a Luchador post over, you know, and um, and and yeah, I will I definitely you know, picked up some tricks and stuff like that and have gotten better about social media, but, uh, you know, it's still not exactly my, my forte, you know, and it would be the very first thing that I give up once, yeah. <laughs> once I get to a point that I can give it up.
0: Yeah. It's that beast. I, I keep telling people, cause you're not the only one that I have talked to that has said like, uh, social, it's not my favorite, mm-hmm. but it's that beast that we have to keep feeding It eats us up inside. We got to keep feeding it because it's where like people get to know what we're doing and stuff. And it's this like stupid game we play with our own self.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, I've gotten really good at um, sort of detaching myself and sort of disassociating myself with the numbers and the likes and and comments and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, yeah, social media is not easy, especially because the algorithm is really the thing that's constantly changing, right? Okay. In the early days of social media, there there wasn't an algorithm to block you out of certain places places to kind of force you or encourage you to um shell out all this money. Uh, to literally just play the game and now it's kind of it it is still kind of that way but you know the majority of our social media followers and the people who care about us on social media they met us in person they came to a convention they came to a show uh, they randomly you know stumbled across maybe some somebody else's post about Ragnar or comics or something. And then, you know, they eventually found our way to us. And, and for us, you know, we don't have the largest social media following in the world or anything like that, but we are very proud of the followers that we do have, because these are people who are, you know, artist friends of ours, people that we work with, um, you know, and, and, fans and stuff that again, like I said, that we met on the convention trail and they are big supporters and lovers of the things that we do. So um I am definitely proud of the following that we do have. And I think it's um, you know, it's a I can't thank everybody who follows us enough. So
0: yeah. And you guys show so much love. Like every time someone buys a piece they get a picture with you guys, it gets posted. <laughs> it's like you guys, and I even how you guys um, if I can brag just on the booth for a little bit, um, I had Me I do. <laughs> yeah, like I saw um man, 2021. I think I finally was like getting really ingratiated into the toy community. Saw mm-hmm. Ragnar and was like, I, I gotta get that piece. Um, didn't like for some reason didn't get to your booth um but I didn't want to buy the toy until I saw Decon is
1: tough man Decon yeah. is tough like you, there's so many cool people there there's so many cool things um to see and if you're only there for a day it's really overwhelming it really yeah. really is you know
0: and I came in And I immediately was like, okay, first stop, like, I I want this. And I uh, went to the table, picked it up, was like, I don't even need to, like, this is it. This is the (laughs) one. Um, And you guys, like, wrapped it up and put it in the big, like, with the header card that's fantastic. And um, it was just a a cool moment, the care that was, like, poured into, uh, like, me as a person buying from you guys. So it was cool to, like, have that interaction so i'm always willing to support last bastion
1: man i i really appreciate hearing you say that and hearing you say that so all those little things that we do put extra meaning and and feeling in it um for you really makes me happy because you know that's something that chris and i both deeply deeply care about you know we we understand that you know we're 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 out here doing our thing, making things that literally make us happy. You know what I mean? And, and give us a different kind of sense of purpose and, you know, and really it, it, um, it brings to life dreams that both him and I had from when we were kids. And somewhere along the way, at some point we had kind of, lost those dreams because you just i mean i didn't know how you made comic books other than going to art school and yeah being an artist and getting picked up by some you know marvel or dc or whatever and you know as you move through life you shut different doors of opportunity as you choose certain doors right and you get to a certain point in your life where you think like, okay, well all these opportunities are gone. These are the ones that I'm left with. And, um, you know, we both taught ourselves that that's not the case. You can go back and, and you don't even have to open a door. You can just kick it off the hinges, man. (laughs) Like, and that's, and, you know, um, with the kind of person that I am, um, I'm, I'm ready to kick down more doors than I am, you know, looking for open ones, you know? So, um, yeah, it really means a lot to hear you say that. And it means a lot to us that people find the thing that we do really cool and it speaks to them from their childhood or it speaks to them about something that they love and it, and it, you know, it makes like a new community around you and the things that you make and. At the end of the day, we're all just trying to bring each other a little joy, whether it's through a comic or a toy or a little thing. And everybody who purchases something and they're happy about it, like, like you make us happy as well. And we want to touch you in a special way and make you feel like you are special because the reality is, is you are. You're very special to us for even considering our items for coming by our booth for checking out our website for scrolling through our social media and liking pictures and stuff like that. Like we're very thankful people. We
0: really are. Yeah. Okay. We're getting mushy. I love it. We're going back. Sometimes Um, I'm a miffy guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to hear about, uh, so we're kind of like solidifying each part of Last Bastion. So this is Mm -hmm. just about you, which I'm excited. (laughs) Um, We're going to start at the beginning. It's Saturday morning and you're a young kid. You have toys around Mm. you, some kind of cereal, I'm assuming, some cartoons. Walk me through (laughs) like early life of you.
1: Um, early life as me. So, as a young kid. So first off, I'm I'm 40, born in '82. So the the cartoons and stuff that really spoke to me when I was youngest were He-Man, GI Joe, Thundercats. There was like a pro wrestling cartoon that they had, like the Rock and Wrestling and stuff like that. <clears throat> And there was also the Mario Brothers show with Captain Lou Albano as like Mario, and I can't remember who played Luigi, the but they would do Mario cartoons, and they had some Legend of Zelda cartoons that they would do every now and then. Yeah. And I'm also from the era of the birth of Nintendo, right? Ooh, so yeah. So I'm I'm there from the beginning. I'm part of the eight bit generation really but I still encountered Atari and and like the really early computer games which were all just like text-based computer games like door does not open kick in door can yeah. do that <laughs> like put like, button on door like oh okay door opens like, you know like kind of that sort of stuff and um and so there was an early part of my youth where I got to watch a lot of cartoons like that. And I got to play a lot of sort of Nintendo and stuff like that. Um, but my parents decided at a very young age that cable television and video games were kind of rotting their children's mind.
0: Yeah. Pulled the
1: cable, got rid of the Nintendo and all the video games. And, and then from there kind of everything changes as far as, toys and tv and all that other stuff for me so um yeah the the cartoons that i watched were those ones but i also have memories of watching cartoons that are far less popular and most people don't even know of like there was a rambo cartoon back in the day called force of freedom very similar to like gi joe and like those same kinds of cast of characters but it was literally rambo there was a Mr. T cartoon that I used to watch and love. And a lot of those had toys as well, but they weren't mega popular. And the other thing about my like toy collection is my toy collection was kind of limited. Um, I didn't exactly receive a lot of gifts for, you know, like birthday or Christmas or something or anything like that my family you know like we weren't like we weren't upper, upper middle class we weren't yeah. middle class you know like i I, it's, I guess if it's the thing it's like upper lower class I, I, like <laughs> almost like almost middle class you know yeah. um but what that meant is my parents didn't really have a lot of spare cash to buy us toys or anything so most of my toys buying and owning would come around christmas and birthdays where family would send us money and then it would be like okay you can go I, i'm dating myself again but yeah. you can, let's go to toys r us let's go to kb toy store where you know like that was the place where you would buy video games you would buy all your toys you know like i'm also from like the birth of the internet like i've seen the birth of the internet and everything else you know um, But we would go to Toys R Us And I could easily spend hours in there But I would take all this toy
0: money We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top To bring you this Meanwhile in a galaxy of root like treasures DOV2! We have engine failure! We almost crash land on DKE Toy Planet! Oh my! We're doomed! Wait! Salvation? Hooray! we saved save the deal too. limited edition custom artist-made action figures and DKE Toys. Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. The for custom action figures.
1: DKE. Uh, or all this money that I had, and I would mostly spend it on Ninja Turtle figures. I would spend it on the WWF. Hasbro because it was WWF back in the day yeah not WWE but WWF Hasbro figures but I also had some He-Man and I had some Beetlejuice uh um Beetlejuice toys because I watched the Beetlejuice cartoon and um and yeah like toys and comics for a good chunk of my youth were literally my sanctuary, you know, growing up in some of the rough neighborhoods that I did. um, You know, it was like the safe place, the place where I didn't have to go out and sort of be in the chaos of the real world. And, you know, and I was also like a very shy sheltered kind of kid and comics and toys were just the thing that I would retreat into as like a, like a safety net and buffer from the world and various, you know, things of chaos just sort of happening in the outside world, you know? So, so I guess, sorry, very long answer to an easy question. Oh, it's (laughs) worth it. It's worth it. Which was Thundercats, um, uh, Thundercats, E-Man, um, you know, Beetlejuice, um, Mr. T, Rambo, definitely Conan. There was a Conan cartoon that was yeah. in there. And then Ninja Turtles cartoon, of course. And then the toys were definitely Ninja Turtles. It was mostly Ninja Turtles pro wrestling and, uh, and some Eman, man but there were some scattered other ones in there. Um, I never had a vehicle of any kind for okay. any of my figures or anything like that. So, uh, it was always just, you know, you're just smashing them together. <laughs> yeah. Like a kid because they're fighting or what have you, you know? And, um, my brother, who's a year and a half younger than me, he, he had, you know, a lot of the counterparts to the various toys that I had. So between the two of us, we had like most of the Ninja Turtle characters. Like we definitely had all the main turtles. I had Usagi, Jimbo, you know, I think we had Bebop and Rocksteady Steady and um i think you know like we even had the fly god i can't remember his name the scientist fly dude yeah. um and yeah and a bunch of other scattered ones here and there but but again those pro wrestling toys 99 of the time they were the ones that i would pick out first you know yeah um, i definitely had more of those than any other one
0: there's something cool about um, not getting a lot of toys. Cause then you get to be like, you have to be really picky and choose specific mm-hmm. ones knowing full well, like I'm not going to get a lot of these. I need to get like the ones that I want. And I, um, I, there's something cool, especially having like, like somehow accumulating all these turtle toys and everything as well. And so like, having to be so picky about that there's a beauty to that because you still kept going back to those specific toy lines
1: Mm -hmm. yeah there definitely is and i mean of course i think the cartoon was always a huge
0: influence
1: on the toy buying because again like i mentioned i had beetlejuice toys and there was a beetlejuice cartoon i had you know i had some rambo toys because there was a rambo cartoon i had like a stray Mr. T toy or two, because there was a cartoon. Um, My interest in He-Man obviously came from the cartoon. And, you know, that speaks to, say, the machines of marketing and the machines that were sort of built around a cartoon basically being an advertisement for a toy. Yeah. You know? Um, And, um, but the funny thing was, is, at my age when I was coming up, there were still also <clears throat> a lot of toys for various movies and stuff. Like I didn't know anything about the aliens movies, but there were aliens toys, yeah. like space marines toys and stuff like that. And I thought that they were really cool, but a lot of times they were a little bit more out of my price range, and I knew more about pro wrestling and Ninja Turtles. So again, I was going to pick those up first before I got to the aliens ones. And often I ran out of cash getting my pro wrestling and Ninja Turtle toys. And so I didn't never, I never did. There were a lot of toys that I wanted, but never did get because I just couldn't make that money choice between the ones that I did have and those newer ones that I wanted, but didn't necessarily know anything about, you
0: know? Yeah. You know, I, um, looking back, I don't remember. because I grew, I was born in 90. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I like missed out on a big, huge chunk, but mm-hmm. also like had a lot of cool ones and, um, G.I. Joe wasn't a thing that I was interested. I was interested in like, I've talked about this before on here, like Cowboys of Mumesa Mesa and um, X-Men, mm-hmm. the toy. Band. I
1: actually remember a bunch of those, like the Cowboys yeah. and Mumesa Mesa and uh, those. And yeah. And I dug those two. I will say that my interest in cartoons and, and toys extended a much further length than say somebody normally my age. Because yeah. I have a sister who's same age as you. She's, eight years younger than me, born in 90, you know? And so I was definitely exposed to Power Rangers and Pokemon. Yeah. Some of these things that are not part of my generation
0: at all, you know? Yeah. My first, um, this, and I, I don't think I've ever talked about this part. My first interaction with GI Joe, um, Comes from a weird GI Joe line that I don't know why they did it. It was called like GI Joe Extreme or something, <laughs> and it's like my. I fav- knew you were going there. <laughs> yeah, my favorite of those, ca- like at the time, it was badass. Now looking back, like weird made figures. Um, my favorite one was this black guy that like. His legs were so bent weird, and he only Uh. did rotation at the hip and arms. And he had (laughs) this – they gave him a a, a red do-rag, but instead of, like, making it, like, what a normal do-rag would look like, the, like, wind blowing his, like, do-rag. And it was, like, the weapons barely fit the hands, but that was my first interaction. But I was so into – like anthropomorphic animals and yeah like ninja turtles i had those from uh my brother giving them to me and then my um parent finding them at yard sales and stuff but mm-hmm. yeah i didn't have much interaction and then i only had power of the four star wars because that's my okay. timeline yeah so i yeah. had like the worst of a lot of different toy lines and then the best of some of the other ones Well, I think
1: in my personal opinion, like especially the GI Joe extreme is GI Joe sort of in the 90s kind of, kind of started to fall by the wayside, right? There wasn't really as much interest in it and it's the rise of the X-Men. And honestly, the 90s, it's the rise of Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee and all that kind of art. And that, kind of art and the massive popularity of those comics and even the stylings of those comics and the weapons that would go onto those GI Joe extreme characters. I think it was a direct influence from those nineties comic artists who had sort of broken away and went to found image and were just a hot ticket everywhere because like in the nineties, not only was there a big, rush of comic collection collecting again kind of like you're seeing right now and we're actually gonna, i think see another bust very soon um for all of that but it's it was a very similar thing where a bunch of people in the 90s were convinced that you know start buying all these comics invest in all these comics because they'll be worth thousands of dollars later on and that's just not quite um that was just not quite the case. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I do think that <clears throat> GI Joe extreme was a direct, it was, Hey, let's see if we can regenerate interest in this property by leaning on these new tropes that you're finding in comic books and with some of these other
0: figures, you know? <laughs> and they, they for sure did. They like, cause it went along with my other toys. It was, it was just looking back what a bad like <laughs> they um because it reminded me of the shredder toy that scott sculpted right like he had that weird crouch mm-hmm. um i think that's the problem with me now look like being in the toy community and looking back over the toys i had back then it was like this shit's awesome but now so cool yeah but now i'm like man the G.I. Joe was trying to mix a couple things. They thought it would be okay to make that guy crouching. And it's like, it's whatever. So, um, at some point, you are like, you have the hub where you're like, I have all these TMNT toys. I got all this stuff. And just like everyone else, at some point, all of those toys disappear and you move up in life, correct? Or you were you one of the fateful few that kept them all? So. So uh,
1: what happened to me is I converted basically from collecting toys to collecting comics, right? My parents were always very huge on reading and they were, I don't care what you read as long as you're reading. And um, you know, I would read a lot of different books and stuff, but I started really getting into comics. And so a collector is a collector is a collector if you're mm-hmm. a collector you can collect many different things throughout your life it just becomes like this sort of innate inner personal pursuit if you really like something then you want it all you know what i mean and so my my whole fascination moved to comics but within all these comics and everything and this this push of, you know, save your comics, save your comics, bag them, board them, store them well, and all of that stuff, because they're going to be worth a lot of money. Um, There was still like a, there was also this little surge, it was sort of like the first real surge of, of toy value things, uh, like toys having a value I just, I didn't really care about the value of the toys. The comics I kept in like pristine condition and all of that. But like when the McFarlane toys and stuff came out, which were like glorified plastic statues, really. Yeah. Like, they had like no articulation. It was like, oh, the arm can kind of go like yeah. this. But, <laughs> but that's it, you know? Um, yeah. I did hang, I did have those because I just liked having them as like, display pieces around my room that being said all those toys from my childhood like a lot of the Ninja Turtles a lot of the He-Mans and the pro wrestling stuff went into like a little like mini duffel bag like it was a DuckTales duffel bag (laughs) like another way to date myself um but like it was this DuckTales duffel bag and they were in there and um you know I just sort of forgot about them and you could argue that I was very much a pack rat when I was younger Well, I leave, I go off to college and all that other stuff. And my mom is saying like, hey, this is taking up a bunch of room in the house. What do you want me to do with it? I'm like, mom, just sell it, get rid of it, whatever. And this included my comic book collection of thousands of comics and stuff like that. Fortunately for me, my mother refused to sell them. And she was like, no, 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 no. I know you're going to want these one day later on. And so she literally stored them in her house. And within the last like three, four years, I was home visiting my mom and my mom busts out this Ducktail duffel bag. And I open it up and here's my pro wrestling toys. Here's my He-Man toys and all these other things. And I'm like, holy shit. Um, you know, and it was, It was really cool seeing those, and they they all have wear on them from obviously being heavily played with and all that. But it immediately re-sparked a lot of memories. It gave me new kinds of inspiration, and I am forever grateful to my mother for ignoring me and hanging on to them because she saw some innate thing in me that knew I was going to want these yeah someday down the line and um and yeah it's it's great to have um you know uh but again like if it would have been up to me in like thursday night 7 p.m youtube live
0: it's toys alive Life. toys Life. the Life. Toys Life. Are live. Toys Alive, toys alive, alive. This way cool artist unboxing no accounts under a thousand followers aren't out there for 30 bucks or less Collector Spotlight. Ooh, Current upcoming shows and drops. Giraffe. Giveaways. Short chats with artists. <laughs> <laughs> news from the hood. One hundred percent indie all the time. That's, That's toys, toys Live. Giraffe. Thursday nights, seven PM PST, YouTube Live.
1: If it was up to me, they would have been gone a long time ago just because um, so like right after college, I got, I, I went to work on a private yacht for like three years and I ended up having to sort of live out of a suitcase and I got very good at throwing things away and just mm-hmm. get, getting rid of things and only sort of living with the very essential item that I needed. And if I was in charge of those things at that time, they would be gone. They would be gone for sure. And I would definitely be missing out on something that has definitely helped shape Last fashion Studios, Luchador, and even some of the toy work that we do. And um, again, I'm forever grateful to my mother for completely ignoring
0: what I said and hanging yeah. on to
1: them. So, Which yeah, is crazy.
0: I'm- I At some point, Toys on Tap needs to create this thing. It's like, thank you to the moms that. That really helped us out, (laughs) for sure. Uh, Saw something deeper that we didn't recognize ourselves. Yeah, and the problem. So I'm not unlike the best of terms with my biological mom, but the the very deep rooted problem that I have right now is like, if I do reach out, the first conversation I want to have is like, "Do you have those? Like, (laughs) like, hey, I know we have a lot of trauma and stuff, but." Toys. Toys first, and then we'll deal with everything else. Um, Let's bridge the gap with the toys. Yeah. Let's build the bridge with the toys,
1: and then continue from there.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, she could have sold them. I don't know. Maybe I got lucky. But, um, at, I mean, you – there's probably leaps and jumps that we're about to make. But at some point, so you're working on this yacht after college, which is a crazy job to, like, do that. <laughs> um, What was the job you had on the yacht? Um, I mean, I did a lot, I did some of everything
1: I yeah. worked on the outside, but I helped the engineer, uh, you know, we would have watch and if we were underway, sometimes you're at watch standing there watching the wheel. But for the most part, I was just the interior steward. I was the guy vacuuming the floors, doing the laundry, ironing the sheets, making the beds, dusting everything and, and cleaning the inside and helping the cook with all the different meals and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Like at one point, I, I think they jokingly called me mother for a little bit <laughs> because I was doing all the cooking and the cleaning and, the <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, I learned a ton. I, I learned a lot about life doing that. I learned a lot about what I was and wasn't capable of. And I learned a lot about fear and busting out of my own shell in a lot of ways because of all
0: of that, you know? Yeah, which is, I mean, what a crazy cool way to learn all that. Like go out to sea, come back a different human. Um, As you, so from that point, we got a gap between you doing that and coming full circle back to toys. Yes. Fill that gap for me.
1: All right. As long or as
0: short as you want, I'm here for it.
1: It's uh so it's a bit of a gap. So yeah. uh, I'm gonna rewind just a step back uh, okay. into college. So I went to college for creative writing, and I got a minor in Latin American history, and I took a lot of like screenwriting and film courses and stuff like that. So getting out of college, my dream and goal was to get into filmmaking and, and, and do a lot of writing of film, uh, and, and things like that. Um, I interned for some production companies and, uh, you know, was working at a restaurant, um, to pay the bills while interning for these production companies. And I started, I started to sort of get to a point where I was seeing that the internships weren't going anywhere Mm -hmm. for me. And that the internships were almost like a weird kind of, I don't want to say indentured servants,
0: but they are, but they
1: they kind of were. And I mean, to be fair, you're really doing very grunt minutiae minor work. That's, you know, not that important. You're reading a lot of scripts. 90% of them are garbage. If there's one that even has like an ounce of merit, I mean, you're not going to be, you're not going to get anything for being the one who found it and suggested Mm -hmm. it and got the next layer of people to read it or anything. But, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I just, it wasn't going anywhere for me. And so when the opportunity came up, it was like, bye, see ya, like goodbye, life, I'm ready to go. Um, and so, uh, you know, like I said, jumping on the boat changed my life. Not only did I see every square inch of coastline from the Panama Canal all the way up into Canada and back, but, you know, I, I learned to surf. I made some really, really, really awesome friends. I, I saw exotic things and, and did all these exotic things that, you know, were just, Stories in books or things that you would see on TV. You know what I mean? Like I have distinct memories of being in like a little skiff and dolphins are just following and jumping and diving and swimming and playing with us or driving through these mangroves. And there's these, like, these, like, it's like a type of alligator. They're called caimans and stuff and their eyes are peeking above the water and the dude we're tugging on the, was like, don't slow down, don't <laughs> slow down.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, and like, and for me, um, one of the reasons I, I figured out that I was having trouble writing coming straight out of college was that I hadn't lived life, man. I didn't, expe- I didn't know shit about shit. I hadn't experienced anything, you know, um, aside from, you know, certain levels of, you know, emotions and things that we all go through. But I felt like I needed to go live life, do things. And then maybe one day I would know what I wanted to write and, and and get back to writing. Um, So I worked on the boat. I was going to be on it for like five years, but the captain that I was originally under, he left, the boat under you know contentious circumstances and a new captain was brought on. And much like the federal government, um, when a new party comes into power, they tend to bring their people with mm-hmm. them. And if you're in a position that they have somebody that they would rather be doing it, um they are gonna find ways to make you fail. Mm -hmm. and so i recognized the writing on the wall and i just one day i was like hey you know it's been fun it's been great but it's time for me to go home that captain couldn't have been happier and Mm -hmm. brought on his people and you know i just moved on in life and so there i had long stopped collecting really anything i didn't really um, collect toys or comics for a very long period of time. Um, I'm a big reader, so I read tons and tons and tons of books, I read between 20 and 60 books a year. Um, and, uh, and yeah, again, that goes back to my parents who were, I don't care what you read as long as you read something type type thing. And, um, and so, you know, I'm doing a lot of reading and I'm just, honestly, I'm kind of just Floating through life at this point and I'm taking on various jobs and I'm trying them out and I'm going, eh, you know, I guess I could do this for the rest of my days and I would just take whatever money I make and spend it on traveling and, you know, going places and exploring the world more and, and uh, spend it on, you know, doing all my martial arts and, and pursuing judo and, Everything else, and um, and so you know, I'm floating through life, job wise, but I'm extremely dedicated to my martial arts career. Where I where I eventually get a second degree black belt in judo, or brown belt in jujitsu, and you know, I wrestled for a long time. I competed in pancration. I competed in tournaments and stuff all over the country, and you know, and I had moved a number of places. Like I had lived in couple different spots in Orange County and then moved to LA and has progressed from various parts of the city to other various parts of the city. And I changed a few jobs, which they're not really important. I definitely learned important things from them, but in terms of my influence and all that wasn't, you know, it's definitely not anywhere on that spectrum, but, um, you know, one day I suddenly, an idea hit me and the girl I was with at the time, she had this, you know, very eccentric kind of roommate, yeah. um, to say the least. And he sort of inspired this little joke inside my head, which was, hey, what if this guy had, what would it be like if this guy had superpowers? I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. like everything changes from that all of a sudden I start writing luchador and not just, you know, a comic and not as a comic, but I'm actually writing it like a film, like in a film format, mostly because that's just the style of writing that I'm comfortable with. You Mm -hmm. know, Um, I know it very well. I know it forwards and backwards. I can definitely convey everything. You know, one of the biggest things for me is if I hand you a script of something that I've written and you come back to me and you say, holy shit, I can see it, I can see it, I can see it, then I know that I did my job correctly. And yeah. and that is a point of pride for me. So I start writing Luchador in this film format. And you know, Luchador in its very first, you know, draft is very different from what luchador is today, but all those core ideals were there. And, um, and it's actually my goal to make a graphic novel. I have zero interest in toys. Yeah. Like toys are nowhere in my head. Um, I'm not even thinking of making a toy. Like the desire to make a toy is, is nowhere in there. If it it would have been one of those things, like the real desire was to make this graphic novel, this luchador graphic novel. And, um, Chris, who I have known for years through judo, actually, um, I, I, uh, I, he might give me a little more credit than, than I say, but I definitely taught him a lot of judo. I definitely, um, you know, was there as he progressed up the ranks in belts. And then when it was time for me to leave the dojo and go pursue something else, he sort of stepped into the role. That I had in the dojo. And so I'm working on this luchador thing. And unbeknownst to me, Chris is working on this Ragnar thing. But, you know, during trainings and stuff like that, you know, part of the reason why we became such close friends is because, you know, we had a ton of these same interests, mm-hmm. film, music, television, comics, like all these things. And it actually gets disturbing to people sometimes because we almost talk in movie quotes sometimes where I'll quote something and then he'll respond with the next line right back. And then we're just running with the scene and people are looking at us like, what is going on with (laughs) these two guys right here? I don't, huh? um, you know, so we had always, you know, loved a lot of the same things. And I think, and I actually don't think I know, At one point, we were joking about making a Sunny Chiba uh, Street Fighter statue, right? The cover of, of Sunny Chiba's Street Fighter, we were joking like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to like make a toy or like a statue of like that? And like, yeah, that would be so awesome. So again, unbeknownst to me, Chris was working on this Ragnar thing. And I'm I'm a very supportive person of all my friends, especially their artistic endeavors. Or if they're like, hey, I'm going to be doing this thing, please come and support. You know, if I'm around and I'm available, like I'm I'm going to fucking be there. And so Chris tells me, hey, man, I, I just made this Ragnar thing and I'm going to be at DesignerCon in Pasadena. And this was, it's got to be like five, six years ago now. And um, and he's like, you know, you should please come support if you've got time or chance or whatever. And I was like, yeah, man, fuck shit. I'm looking for an artist for Luchador anyways. Who knows? There might be some comic artists there. And so I show up at, um, you know, Designer Con and I immediately go to Chris's table. I see his Ragnar thing. And I'm like, dude, this is fucking cool. I'm like, tell me about it. And so he starts telling me the basis of the story. And I'm like, dude, like, do you want to make like a comic of this? And he's like, well, yeah, that's like one of my goals. But I'm not really a writer. I'm like, I'm a writer. Let me write this shit. I can write this shit. And, you know, I'd walked around DesignerCon and I just got this idea. I was like, dude, you and I can do this. Like you and I can combine forces. Yeah. Like, let me produce this shit. Let me write this shit. You know, teach me everything that you can teach me. I'll teach you everything that I can teach you. And together, we can be stronger than anything I see around here, you know, and maybe that was like arrogance talking or something like that. But I don't know, I was just inspired in this different way. I was seeing what people were doing, but I was also seeing the gaps in what Mm. they were doing. And I was looking at how Chris and I together, we didn't have those same kind of gaps. And so, you know, then we embark upon Last Fashion Studios. Now, we sort of sprayed off in terms of what's the lead project, right? So we start with the Ragnar comics. All the while, we're working on the Ragnar toy. and We're also working on the Luchador comics. So it's Ragnar Comic, Luchador Comic, Ragnar Toy. What
0: is this master? Deep in the darkest corners of our earth, digital sculptors are choosing body parts and combining them in unnatural ways. (laughs) They are making a mutant. Join us, the evolving group of worldwide toy makers, has been collaborating digital sculpting and making a mutant on Instagram. Yes, <laughs> Master. <laughs> making a mutant. Learn on Instagram. Join Making a Mutant on Instagram, a digital sculpting toy collab. And I wasn't really too thoughtful about
1: making a luchador toy mostly because i didn't know how i wanted to do it um then i had an idea of like oh well maybe we could explore this option um but i got kind of stonewalled um through that option um and uh i just kind of let it go for a minute and it was chris telling me like like hey man like we need to do Luchador 2. You know, like we really need to do Luchador 2. It deserves to be a toy. Like, and I was like, oh yeah, it kind of does. But this also coincides with me receiving that DuckTales bag of toys from my yeah. mom. And that's when I find all those WWF has broken. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. And so I pull all them out and I start playing with them. And I've been going back and forth between Mexico like and the US for a long time. I've I spend more time in Mexico than you or anybody else would even believe. I've seen more of Mexico and I know more Mexican history than most people would ever like like people get really shocked, you know, mm-hmm. especially when I'm in Mexico and talking with them and they'll mention something. And I'm like, "Oh yeah." And then they're like, "What the how do you know about this? I'm like cuz I love this shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. um but but yeah, like in all this going back and forth and and I I would pick up like luchador toys and stuff from Mexico and I just yeah. had a lot of wrestling toys. And so, you know, Chris said, "Hey, you know, really you need to think about this." And I got that DuckTales bag when I'm seeing all these luchador toys that I have laying around and it's like okay, now I've got an idea. Now I've got an idea and I want it to be, I want it to feel, I want it to have that essence of that Hasbro WWF figure, which is why, like, you know, for me, one of the big details. Yeah, were so boots, good. Right, the boots and that strip down the back and everything else. And honestly, also the nipples. I'm not going to lie, dude. <laughs> like, there is a point there is a point in in pro wrestling figures where nipples like disappear from the body, right and it was almost like some weird executive had determined that it was too sexual for children or something and and like it bothered me the moment that i noticed that there were a bunch of pro wrestling figures that literally just had the pectoral muscles, but like no nipple there. Yeah. <laughs> All my WWF Hasbro toys, like if they were bare chested, they had the nipples and everything else. And it was just not a big deal. So for me, it was like, these boots are important to me. Nipples on the chest are important <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know, but also that those articulation points, like the arms have got to move. Yeah. The waist has got to swivel. And that head's got to move as well. Again, I wasn't so concerned about the legs because I I still want that feel. Um, I want that feel. And um, I also want that, you know, I I wanted that. I kind of wanted a static pose, right? right? That you could do some stuff with the upper torso. And the upper torso has um, a good amount of articulation to where you can get a lot of variety in just him standing there, you know yeah. what I mean. Um, but yeah, it was it was that WWF Hasbro figure for sure that became like the big driving influence, along with the various other pro wrestling figures that I had picked up over time. Which was, don't do this, but let's go for these kinds of let's go for these elements. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like the boots, the boots on this figure if you get near a w if you ever run into a wwf hasbro randy macho man savage figure take a look at those boots and notice like you'll notice just how similar they are to these boots um because in particular on that randy savage sculpt i love those boots. i love the quality i love like some of the little details and stuff that were in there and to me that is the exact replica of pro wrestling boots that I grew up watching on tv you know mm-hmm. so so yeah that that's that's the long way and how I got there
0: <laughs> holy moly and so you as you guys join forces and create last bastion mhm um, tell me about the name, last bastion, where that comes from. And then tell me about working out the kinks of like just normal like you take these things. I'll take these, and then we'll come back together and we're workshops and stuff,
1: so the last bastion name is something honestly, we were kind of bandying about a bunch of names. And I really don't even remember. of the other ones we were sort of toying with i know that chris is the one who said last bastion studio Mm. i know he's the one who said that um and i immediately went yes 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 i agree and out of this like and i'm not gonna lie there was definitely like a feeling of arrogance on my part behind it because you know to be a last bastion is to essentially be the last holdout of of like chaos mm-hmm. and you know to be like the last stalwart of these qualities and and things like that and there was this bit of arrogance on my part that was like no yeah we are the last bastion of dudes who are like this and and these aspects that we believe in and these goals that we're trying to do and um and I do. I I I couldn't be happier with the name that we chose. Um. Uh. But I definitely don't have the same arrogance that yeah. I did going into it. But I mean that you're always arrogant to whatever you're walking into, you know. Because uh, I believe it was Donald Rumsfeld who said it. And he got crucified for it, but it actually makes a lot of sense. But you don't know what you don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You really don't know the challenges and obstructions of things that you're walking into when you're brand new to the situation. And, um, and we've come a long way. We've learned a ton. As far as like the division of labor, um, I like, I don't know, it wasn't really like a negotiation thing or anything. There was always, you know, I think Chris and I are very self-aware in terms of what are our strengths and what are our weaknesses. And so I know that I am good in certain areas and yeah, and I just handle it. And uh, I know that he's exceptionally better than I am in certain areas and and I have no problem uh releasing that um I don't I like I don't know our skill sets are so incredibly different it's not like there was ever even a question about who was going to handle one thing or another I don't know literally I found the perfect business partner yeah, that I could have ever have had, because, like I say, you know, he just very much naturally complements me, and we naturally complement each other into a business. I like to think of myself as a force, and I like to think of him as a force. But at the same time, we're both for, uh, force multipliers, mm-hmm. and so you put that together, and it's just this weird cascading continually building each other up in a lot of different ways you
0: know yeah which is crazy like that's you rarely find that so it's awesome to see you guys Mm -hmm. found it i think you brought up arrogance the i have a fun thing with arrogance because i think that it takes arrogance to break into certain aspects of life however like here's my classification for that um it also takes, like, a lot of humility to realize, like, that Donald Rumsfeld quote, like, oh, shit, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. Like, I, starting Toys on Tap, I was not qualified to start Toys on Tap. I, that, I'm that i not that guy. I, like, took a break from toys until 2020 someone brought up, like, oh, yeah, I go to DesignerCon, I make these funky things, and there's a guy named Sucklord, and I was like, no way. <laughs> and just went like on this tirade and figured all this stuff out but um it was the arrogance that started the podcast and the humility i think that has like continued it to say like every artist has to come on here and teach me something that i don't know because <laughs> it happens
1: for sure well i know that i myself um i myself am blessed through martial arts yeah. right because i've spent so much time in my life like I started wrestling when I was like 14 and then I got out of high school and I immediately found judo at yeah. like 18 and I was heavy 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 with judo jiu-jitsu grappling all that stuff for the better part of 20 years now like I did it for a really long time very seriously and really the only thing that Really, the only reason why I'm not doing it as often as I used to, why I'm not competing and teaching anymore, is because I really I spend my time doing this. I spend yeah. my time making these toys, making these comics and stuff. Um, but through that, through judo, through jujitsu, and through wrestling and all that other stuff, um, I developed a supreme amount of confidence in my work ethic and my abilities to, uh, get to the goal that I want to get. Right. Once, once you have that, you really lose fear about doing something new. I don't have fear of doing something new. Am I going to screw something up? Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I'm new at it. There's a bunch of things I don't know. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I know how hard I work. I know how dedicated I am. I know how intelligent I am. And I know how to apply these techniques of dedication, intelligence, and everything else in order to achieve my goals. And I think Chris has that as well. You know, especially, you know, especially our time together in judo and competing and everything else. And so even though. So, yeah, there's definitely an arrogance there of of like, like, oh, yeah, I bet you I can fucking do it. Yeah. But there's also a knowledge of I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to learn some shit. I'm going to screw some, some things up. And all of that. My goal is to just do it as intelligently as I can so that I keep my screw-ups to a minimum
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: so that I'm learning the max amount possible every single time I get a shot. You know, my attention to detail, my willingness to do research, um, my willingness to spend the time and just put in the work, it's boundless. It's yeah. it's really boundless, and so, and so I do agree with you that there is definitely, it, to approach anything brand new and be like, I'm gonna get good at this. There is an element of arrogance, yeah, right. But at the same time, to continue going on that path, whether you have humility or not, you're gonna develop it.
0: Yeah. Oh, so quickly. It. So quickly. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. The first time the you way speak out of pocket. Yeah.
1: On the, way, on the way to becoming an expert or being somebody that everybody says yeah. is an expert, you have to learn lessons. You have to take some punches to the gut. Like you have to get some rude awakenings and some wake-up calls. And I'm used to those things from you know, jujitsu and judo and everything out. You know how many times I've been armbarred and choked and slammed into the floor and everything else? Countless. Yeah. But you know how many people I've choked, armbarred, slammed into the floor, thrown to the ground and everything else? It's also countless, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, arrogance to start anything and say, I'm going to be good at this. And humility will always come, even if you don't have it right now.
0: Yeah, man, that is so true. So uh, you guys came together and it's cool to see this partnership and the partnership of balancing um, like your two hits like Ragnar and uh, Luchador. And I remember um, you had said something that was it might have been. I don't know. See, now I don't know who's talking on Last Bastion. So, um, um, one of you replied, good, that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. One of you replied about, um, right before Luchador went for crowdfunder uh-huh. and it was something like, Hey, we're, we're like, uh, we're, we have PTSD from Ragnar. May you enjoying, uh Luchador? And it, this it, is
1: this is definitely me then. Okay, <laughs> you were talking um, to me.
0: Took some time. Walk me through the process of, I mean, getting over Ragnar. But Ragnar eventually got produced and everything, and then well, uh, so it
1: wasn't story. it wasn't PTSD over Ragnar. It's actually yeah. PTSD over Luchador.
0: Okay. Luchador
1: has multiple levels of PTSD built in there. Ragnar does not. Yeah. Ragnar, I, I guess the only PTSD I would say that I had from Ragnar was, you know, making this comic, producing this comic, and not having as many sell as I want to, at like these comic conventions and yeah. stuff that we're going to. then uh, it again—that's again, a whole different set of learning. But that. Like Ragnar didn't give me PTSD. Ragnar as a toy was successful as a crowdfunder. What I had PTSD from was doing Luchador the comic as a crowdfunder. Mm. So I I go with this um I, I launched Luchador as a crowdfunder i put a ton of work into the page i put a ton of work into trying to promote it i put a ton of work into um you know setting up all the packages and getting people who are going to do like custom sketch covers and all this stuff and like i felt really good about I felt really good about the page. I felt really good about the project. um Chris felt good about the page. Chris felt good about the project, and we launch it, and it is not going well from day one right it It's well, no, I shouldn't say that it it goes it goes good enough on like the first few days with family and friends, you know. Uh, supporting things um, and some random people finding it here and there and and kicking in. Um, it goes well enough at first, but midway into it, it like crashes and it is going poorly and can't seem to generate any um, any more money for it and. Rather than finished it out and let the crowd funder fail, I decide I'm going to pull the plug and retool the whole thing because I was planning on variant covers. I was planning on posters to come with it and to do a run of sketch covers and stuff there. And so it just wasn't a success. And I just, I retooled the whole thing. And by the time I had retooled the whole thing down to just the comic, no variant covers, no posters. And I only made 20 sketch covers, all of which I kept for myself with the Mm -hmm. exception of five. I sold five to one artist. And he's the only other person who's got a blank luchador sketch covers out there. Um, but I kept the sketch covers for myself, and I had various people do a sketch cover, and then I just keep it in my own collection for myself. But I retooled everything down to just one comic, 64 pages, no covers, no nothing. And by the time I got it to there, I was like, you know what, I'm not even gonna put this on a crowdfunder again, even with this retooled stance and this lower setting and, and lower cost and everything else. I was like, forget it. I'm just going to pay for this out of pocket, and then we're just going with it. And so I very much had this PTSD from that. And um, yeah, it was it was like, ah, shit, man. Like, I really hope people show up for the fucking toy. Like, yeah. And you know, and that that was you know that that uh, campaign had. Um, that campaign had its own issues, but I was never going to not let this toy get made. And so um, that particular um, crowdfunding program was set up to be, it wasn't an all or nothing. So obviously we didn't do it on Kickstarter, but it wasn't an all or nothing. Uh, it was just a keep it all. And you know whether, whether or not one person purchased a toy, I was going to make that toy. Yeah. And, um, a lot of this is part of it is an innate belief in myself and that, and it's this innate belief that, you know, people are going to get it very soon and then be all over it. And, But it's also an innate belief and understanding that I know that I've got to have. There's almost like a double-edged sword with creating, right?
2: Yeah. Because
1: if you have one thing, like just one item, like just one comic, most people are going to pass on that one comic because, well, they're not really sure if you're coming back next year. They're not Mm -hmm. really sure if you're coming out with the next issue what have you. So when you have your second issue, your first issue sells better and you'll sell more copies of issue two. And then if you have three, that generates more interest in the previous issues. And then if somebody stops by your table and they see you have like four, they may have never heard of you before. But now that you've got four issues there, there's like an actual story that they feel like they can get invested in. Mm -hmm. Luchador is a really thick comic. It's 64 pages, dude. There's a lot of meat there. There's a lot of material there. And it's designed to be that way. Everybody who's read Luchador fucking loves it. I've had yeah. nothing but really positive reviews. And and I it's fantastic. There's a reason why chapter one is free on our site. Because I am confident that, like, hey, man, just give me a chance just read it, check it out, even for free, and if you dig it, come back for the next issue. It's coming soon. Trust me. I won't let you down. Like yeah. If I got your interest here, I'm not going to let you down. And unfortunately, you know, making comics takes a long time. And so um, there's a lot of people who are going to continue to pass until you bring out the next chapter. Or the next piece and the next piece. And you have to be confident enough in yourself, your product, your idea, that people will continue to find it the more work that you keep putting into it. If I just, if I let one of these projects die, just because there's not enough interest in it right now, I'm really cheating myself. And I'm, and it ultimately shows that I'm not that confident in myself and in my thing. Right. But I am confident in this thing. And, and I know that the next chapter is going to generate more interest and the chapter after that is going to generate more interest. And that by the time the story is done, people are going to be like, holy shit, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and so, you know when I do these crowdfunders, like having done these crowdfunders and them not having gone the way that I wanted it to, it's definitely a a shot to the ego. I mean that's the only way to put it. It's like a shot to the ego. And I will admit there there become momentary lapses of confidence, but there's never a waver in my path there's never a moment where i consider not continuing forward and finishing it out because even if even if i get all the way through telling chapter 1 and nobody really it really does not and it does nothing
2: mm-hmm. even if
1: it does nothing i'm still going to be happy that i told it i'm yeah. still going to be happy that i did everything, and I told that story and I put that story out there, you know? Um, it's not about, of course, it, it would be fantastic to have millions of dollars and movie deals and cartoon deals and TV deals and Netflix wanting to do a live action show and and everybody having copies of Luchador and going to conventions and signing shit until my hand is sore and I'm getting carpal tunnel, you know, like, that would be great. That would yeah. be great, but that's not why I'm doing this. I'm it's not why I'm doing it. I did this to make me happy. I did this to tell my stories. I did this to satisfy the eight-year-old little boy who's still kicking inside of me and, and is with me on this journey every step of the way. I'm doing it for him. Yeah. You know? And... I I really, I desperately hope people give it a chance and come along for the ride, um, you know? And like I said, the response when people do give it a shot has all been great. And I know that, you know, and I know that that, you know, that interest is
0: going to keep growing.
1: So, yeah.
0: I mean, damn, you're not wrong about how long it takes to do a comic. It takes a like, long time. Yeah, just... um I'm working with an artist right now for a toy that I'm making, and it's like we're going five, six cells at a time, like individual panels, and mm-hmm. it's, um, and it's some shit. Like I love working with the guy, but it yep. is like, <laughs> like he just puts up with so much shit from me because I'm like, <laughs> not that this switch, don't. Um, like thank <laughs> God he is willing to do that, but um, I'm I'm stoked that you've push through that and that you have that drive because then it like comes into a toy and Mm -hmm. you, you guys do this thing that I don't always see it, but when I see it, I'm so stoked. You guys get whatever toy it is and ship it out to these artists to do paint jobs that are just insane.
1: Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. So doing all of this with Chris, um again, you gotta remember, go back um to me being on the boat
0: mm-hmm. and
1: having a suitcase and living out of that suitcase. That carries through almost all the way up until now. My inclination is generally to toss things, get yeah. rid of it. Get rid of it, I'll replace it. It's easier and cheaper in the long run to just replace it than to, you know, try and ship it, save it or whatever like
2: yeah you know
1: like so that instinct is so heavily ingrained in me that I haven't been collecting anything but books and literally it's just a reading pile it's like I read it and then I get rid of the book um for years mm-hmm. but starting this last fashion thing I got an incredible appreciation for these toys and the artists that make them but then that that appreciation jumped to a whole nother level when I'm seeing all these guys do paint jobs and custom paint jobs. And I don't think people talk about this enough, but these really are art toys. They are unique pieces of art. They are hard work, dedication, skill, and talent that is not easily found And not easily acquired. It takes time, it takes knowledge, it takes money, and everything else. And especially with these art toys, people do amazing things. Their minds go amazing places with colors and concepts and everything else. And so, for me, what, you know, all of a sudden I find myself collecting. Blanks, like I want to buy blanks, give me blanks, Mm blanks, 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 blanks. I want all the blanks because if I'm not going to paint it myself, then I'm going to take another artist whose paints are amazing and I'm fanboying on because I like what they do or they're inspiring me or whatever. And I'm going to send them that blank and ask them to just paint it up however they want please go nuts, go wild, one of a kind, please do this. And, um, and I love doing that because again, not only is this, are we talking about a toy that is a unique piece of art that is in and of itself already a low run, but you've now made it a custom one of one, mm-hmm. right? And it is this beautiful, unique piece that speaks to two very different artists, yeah. In in ways that you're not gonna find that collaboration naturally. I will say that in doing this, um, you know, Chris and I have introduced a few different artists to each other, and we've seen them cross pollinate their toys and stuff um, amongst each other uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I specifically see artists and some of the paints that they do. And it's like, I'm gonna have somebody paint this up for me. Yeah. Or I think this person would do that. For example, like I I really uh, you know sir I love this, I love this guy. This guy's work is amazing. Um I'll have to send you his uh Instagram profile so you can go yeah. through it. I love his work. His work is amazing. I immediately knew, like, hey, man, I need you to paint this. Neil Ewing, I effing love that so guy. sick. One of my favorite people on this planet. Big shout out to Neil Ewing. Um, um, he, like, I love the way he paints his buddies and his couches and all that stuff. I think he's got a great, like, color palette that's very unique to himself Mm -hmm. you know um i don't see people doing patterns like he does and i usually don't see people doing the color combinations or the different like highlights that he does like i love that dude he's like i've got like a shelf of neil ewing toys and things that i have had him paint for me you know and uh, uh swarm co the guy who makes mecha creech and uh the turntable tarantula. Mm-hmm. Uh um, and he's got a couple other things coming out in the new year. His paints are rad, dude, especially with clears. He's like glittering the inside, and he's doing it in all these different ways. And so you'll get these sparkles on the inside. Like, he's a fantastic painter. And these are guys who You know, I'm always going to keep going back to those wells with like a blank toy and because I'm going to want to see like I want to see what they do. I want to be inspired what they do by what they do. And I want to see if there's like some kind of technique I can pick up or put into my arsenal for when I paint, you know, when I paint my Luchadors and stuff like that. And when I do my run of Ragnars and everything else, you know.
0: Yeah, I that's. It's insane because then, like, I always warn my wife because, like, I'll see you guys the ones you get back. And I'm like, <laughs> this could be the day that
2: you notice a lot of
0: money gone. Um, you know, uh, like, I'm glad that you love Neil. He, hes I don't even know if he knows. He's one of my favorite creators of all time. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't – I own uh, Bubby – I don't remember. What's the other dog's name? Coco. Coco. Coco, I own both of them. I own um the new Triceratops. He made Gordon. Gordon. Um, and you know, at Designer Con, I he, like I I made a list uh, of the artists that I wanted to see. So yeah. that was deliberately like, if I didn't get to your table, it's because you, you didn't like, not in a rude way, but you didn't make the list of what I knew I needed to do. And so, like when I went and saw you guys, I went and saw Neil. Yeah. Um. And, uh, I, ne- it's hard. Cause when you go there, you're like, you don't want to disrupt a sale or anything. And so yeah, yeah. I go up to his table, someone's talking to him and I was like, Hey man, it's good to see you. Like always good to see you. Um, and I start walking away and he was like, "Abe, stay. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, he finished up his conversation and then I got to hang out with him and his buddy for a hot sec. And, um, I don't know. Like he's just intentional with how he talks to people. He's intentional with what he does.
1: Neil is one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Yeah. The, he's, he's, um, the dude's got a huge heart, like, like God bless him. You know, he is, he's a, a very loving, supportive, giving individual. And, um, he's also one hundred percent authentic. Mm-hmm. Everything about him is what you see is what you get. He's as punk rock as it gets. I mean, the dude made a fucking couch. yeah, he made a couch. Like, who does that? Neil Ewing does that. yeah, you know? and then he makes these dog toys. Like, as he will say it, Bubbies Bubby is this derpy looking dog. No articulations, just a head and little body piece. But it speaks to Neil. It speaks to who he is. It speaks to the things in his life. Um, and I think in doing that, not only does he endear himself to a lot of people, but a lot of people can immediately like connect with Neil over those things like we've all owned a couch we've all had a couch and when he does some of these paint jobs we've all seen a couch that's this color you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like i wanted his avocado looking couch because as a kid i had an avocado like ugly avocado green couch yeah you know and and then i saw his like saved by the bell upholstery looking paint jobs. And I got like, like I have a couple couches. Yeah. I have a bunch of, I have like, I have like four or five bubbies. Yeah. I have at least two Coco's, you know? Um, but these things are, you know, again, these things speak to him. I've got a Gordon myself. Uh, I've got a couple of Um, These things definitely speak to who he is. And when you buy that toy, you are literally, like, buying a little piece of meal. And um, I, like, dude, I appreciate that about him and his work uh, more than anything, you know. Because I feel like a lot of people are out there, you know, trying to hit that popular target, right? Like, anything that's popular, it's literally a moving target. Yeah, that's what it is. And if you're trying to hit the thing that's popular, in general, you're you're too late, right? Always, like you're you're too late. If you're making what is popular, then you're too late to the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're aiming at your own target way down the field, like you have your own goal, you see your own target way down there, and you keep firing at it. Eventually, that target will very likely slide right back in front of you and end up crossing your path somehow, yeah. some way, somewhere. And that's, you know, and that's where they say dedication and opportunity and all that other stuff meet. But, you know, that's all Neil aiming at his own targets, man. Like he's aiming at his own target. He's immortalizing, he's immortalizing his dogs because he loves them. You know, he's immortalizing a couch because it means something to him. You know what I mean? Those are his own targets. Yeah, um, and we find yeah. ourselves in that path,
0: dude. And it's so good to be in that path. And it's but great. So
1: good. It's be, great, man. Oh my god. It's great.
0: I own the hat. Like I don't even. Uh, god, <laughs> that, that guy. He's so funny. Um, yeah. What you very know, when,
1: knowledgeable, very knowledgeable, super intelligent, and um, and very humble in his own way, yeah. Um, Neil, you're an ass, just don't
0: let it go to your head. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, yeah, he jumped on no, one but, time. I needed help with something, and he was like, Uh, let's jump on a live and talk real quick, yep. and yep. I just was shoveling big amounts of Taco Bell into my mouth as he was talking on the live. And it was like, I, I don't know. I like, yeah, but Hey, we're still, we're here for you, Neil. You got your episode, episode. Um, we, so as, um, last bastion and, and Luchador is going, where, where are you taking it? Where is it headed for those? Like as, as a, like conglomerate you and Chris, but then also like, where is Luchador headed for you guys?
1: So, Luchador is um, Luchador is is uh, I mean, number one, the telling of that full graphic story is a big deal to me. I have eight issues planned for Volume One. There's Holy eight hell. issues planned for Volume Two, and there's another eight issues planned for Volume Three. All of Volume One is completely written. Uh, volume two is almost complete and each story, like the main core of it is at least like 40 something pages. So it's Mm -hmm. double the length of any comic you're going to find on, on a shelf. Um, I, I want to make additional luchador characters. Um, I want to do the red demon character. I also want to do Lisa, who's the thief and stuff like that where we go with those toys. Maybe we do it in soft vinyl. Maybe we don't. Mm -hmm. I'm not really set on that yet. Um, I don't think necessarily that we have to keep doing them in soft vinyl. Um, You know, but I definitely wanted to do the first one in soft vinyl. We just, you know, we have a lot of factories that we talk to. We have a lot of factories that we work with. And so, uh, you know, how that evolved as a toy, I don't really feel like it has, I don't really feel like it has any limitations, you know? Um, I think it would be neat to do like chibi versions of a bunch mm. of the characters and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I think it would be really fun. I wanted, I want to do um, like clothing for this soft vinyl figure. <laughs> like I want to, I want to have a cut and sew artist do like the actual suit. So we can yeah. put him in the actual suit Um, different things like that. Um, But the main thing for me is tell the story. Mm -hmm. And that involves the first three volumes. And then I have individual standalone stories for certain characters. Uh, We have coming up in the new year or coming up this year, we will have Tokyo Jaguar, which is going to be a complete standalone graphic novel of, 90 or so pages of King Jaguar in Tokyo, uh, guarding uh Yakuza princess and trying to get her out of a hostile building. So, almost kind of like a reverse diehard or something, yeah. you know what I mean? But we'll have an entirely standalone tale, um, uh, for that. We'll have the new chapter of uh, Luchador. Uh, luchador chapter two will also be coming out um uh and yeah that's the idea for ultimately tell the story and where it goes from there we'll see you know uh i definitely want to get into i I definitely want to eventually expand um last fashion studios into animation and there's much bigger plans and dreams and things beyond that Um, you know, uh, and I am definitely confident that I can get there just, you know, step by step by step. And like I said, first step is telling, telling the stories, really. And, um,
0: and keeping people interested in that way, you know? Yeah. Holy moly. You guys got so much planned. You know, I always think I'm busy. And then when people come on here (laughs) and they like talk about what they got going on, it's like, I could fit more now, I guess.
1: I, uh, you know, I like, listen, dude, I'm, I'm a madman. And I yeah. know Chris would say the thing about that, that same thing about himself. Like he's a madman too. Uh, but, you know, when I'm into something, when I want it, I spend considerable amount of time and energy on it like i rarely watch tv i rarely watch movies i i mean at best at best maybe you know four hours a month like holy moly i don't really play video games i will admit that you know, I will get suckered in. I will get zapped into uh, a game of civilization
2: mm-hmm. and
1: spend 12, 16 hours <laughs> playing a round of civilization. But um, that is usually only after I've done certain things or it's like, okay, I, it's been convention weekend. I'm not doing anything for a couple of days. I'm literally going to veg out and play a full thing of civilization or something. But, you know, my day is, you know, like I give myself certain things to do. with like chores, right? Like one of my chores, personal chores every day is read 25 pages. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what, just read 25 pages, Um, you know, work out, uh, um, do chore X, Y, and Z, you know, and then like, practice my Spanish, practice this or whatever. So I have these like little things built into my day as far as like, okay, I'm going to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. Those are like my basic chores and, and, and all of the things and it's all, everything that's built into it is, you know, things that I value to help keep my sanity, such as working out on a daily basis and my, phys- my, my physical health, Um, but challenging my mental state as well, which includes reading, um, reading a book or reading something 25 pages worth and say writing two pages, whether it's writing two pages in a journal or writing two pages of a new comic script or whatever, you know, um, those are just things that I build into my day and I find it takes up a lot of it, it takes up a lot of time I have free time but I enjoy those things that I do so much that I tend to even though I'm only going to read 25 pages I'll probably read like 40 just because I like what I'm reading yeah stuff like that and um and yeah and, and honestly I I like you know like I still enjoy TV and I enjoy movies and stuff like that but the problem for me is when I'm doing some of these things, I just, like I start going, yeah, but I could be writing a couple more pages or I could be sending those emails or I could be checking with this artist or I could be reviewing this artwork. I could be, you know, processing, like I could be working on a new paint job for some of these toys and everything else. And so I tend to just, go back to doing these things because again, I love them. I'm dedicated to them. I have a series of goals I want to hit. And it's just, I'm a madman. And so I'm going to, all my focus just heads to
0: it, you know? Yeah. Man, I love that. So I have, um, two more segment things for you. Okay. Um, the last one we'll get to, that's where you get to plug everything about who you are and all that stuff. Uh, But the one, um, you know, I posted this thing on the Toys on Tap Instagram, and it was like, what what are some things that we all, like, you guys all want Toys on Tap to have? And one of the things that got brought up was a tips and tricks thing, little segment. Um, And so the way that I'm going to interpret it is you're the first one, but each (laughs) artist will get to share one tip or trick. About anything that has to do with toys. So you're only releasing anything one. Yeah. That so has like. To do with toys. Yeah, but only one. So don't like. We can't give every tip and trick away. But just. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, no 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 um, no. So uh, this is your time. What is your tip or trick that you want to give out? Is like this is how you do this or this is how you, whatever. I'm I'm
1: gonna give a different kind of tip. I love it. My tip is um, go out and look at toys. Buy toys. Feel toys. Try to just absorb it because that is going to be what helps inspire you and your path for your toy. Not necessarily what is popular right now, but you know when you buy a toy, look at the articulation. yeah, Look at the detail. Absorb that toy in every way that you can. And don't limit yourself. Look at everything. Look at everything. And if something calls to you, buy it. Hang on to it. Don't, you don't even necessarily have to figure out what it is right now. But really immerse yourself in toys. And that includes art toys. Uh, people like, you know, people from DesignerCon and all these other custom indie toy makers. Um, but also, like, like, stroll down those aisles at, at Target, you know? Because um, you will find something that inspires you. You will find something that speaks to you. And that is going to help shape your next
0: idea or your idea that you're trying to work out. Yeah, that's my go. Boom, I, that's a good one. I think that's so true. Like I, um, in developing the toy that I'm working on, I was trying to figure out what articulation I wanted to deal and do all that. So I went out and just, I like my wife calls it like, oh, you were just playing with toys. You're not wrong. <laughs> But no, you're not wrong. It was playing with a purpose because I wanted to figure out what I wanted for mine. Um, so that's dope. But, right? And yeah, and this also
1: means, and this also means, go to like a lot of uh, like swap meets
0: and stuff, yeah. like
1: swap meets, and and even like yard sales, right? Find old toys
0: too that speak to you, you know yeah. things from your childhood, stuff like that. So good. So we come to the last part where you get last to part. Talk about yourself, plug yourself, do all that stuff, how we can get to you and plug everything that you got going on that you want people to know about as this releases. Well,
1: you can find um, sort of the core of everything that myself and Chris are up to at Last Fashion Studios. You can come to our website, www.lastfashionstudio.com, com studio, com <laughs> And uh, you can also find us on Instagram at BlackFashionStudios.com. But there's also the Instagram for Ragnar Squad. Um, there's also the Instagram for Luchador Comics. I have a personal Instagram. Eh, if you really want to, you know, find out about me doing some martial arts stuff here and there, painting up new toys, and um, and maybe throwing some. Uh, uh information about luchador you can find it there but it's not going to be the main place where you find out about the things that we're working on um you'll definitely find that, like i said at last fashion studios we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram and um uh maybe maybe one day going to tiktok i don't know i i'm not a tiktok person
0: yeah um
1: but we will be coming out with Luchador Chapter 2 this year. We will be coming out with Luchador Tokyo Jaguar, the standalone graphic novel this year. We will have the uh, Terra Kyofu um, Kickstarter uh, going this year. We also have um, a number of toys that we will be helping release, including the Taiji Cream and the uh, King Krazu, which was on display at uh, at DesignerCon. Um, I'm going to do a couple more paint releases of Luchador very soon. We will also have the original colorways available very soon. And we're obviously going to have more Ragnar uh, paint variations and stuff like that. We always have paint variations. We're also heavily on the road during convention season. We try to go all the different places we can. I think we did 13 um, different conventions in 2022. Um, We'll see how many exactly we do in 2023, but we're always trying to expand into new areas. But LA is our home. We'll always be at DesignerCon. We'll always be at a few other shows in the LA area uh we're going to be at monster palooza this year so definitely come check us out there and uh yeah comics toys we can help you make toys if you're needing something 3d printed feel free to drop us a line via any of our social media channels or at last
0: studios at
1: gmail.com.
0: damn there it is hey there we go thank you so much for coming on toys on tap
1: I really appreciate
0: you having me
1: and uh, I'm
0: super excited to have been the first guest for the new year. Finally, a reason to go
1: back to the office, introducing 9to5Warriors, an exciting new toy line created for the Toys R Us kid that never grew up, offering 10 unique characters that are perfect for your cubicle or home office. The 9to5Warriors are available through Big Bad Toy Store. Join the battle alongside Major Eraser and the Water Cooler Commandos as they keep the peace, or wreak havoc with Colonel Custard and the Break Room Bandits. Choose your side as these two forces clash over total office domination. It happens every day from 9 to 5. Warning, do not leave unattended. Each figure sold separately. When you punch out, they come punching in.